Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there and welcome to a very special Everything is Black and White podcast podcast. Brought to you by Chronicle NUFC. I'm Andrew Musgrove. And what you're about to hear is a very short but quite amazing interview with three men who played a key part of Kevin Keegan's entertainer squad. 21 years a day since that team beat Manchester United 5-0 at St James's Park. The trio of John Beresford, Darren Peacock and Steve Watson have been brought together thanks to Newcastle Legends to recount the night, to go over their memories and this is what they had to say. First of all, lads, I mean, are you surprised that people are still remembering that game and still treasuring the memory, Steve? Um, no, I'm not surprised. It was um, it was a great night. You know, there's been Newcastle's littered with great nights and great memories, but you know that would stand up certainly from the time I think all of us were there, alongside maybe the Barcelona game. Um, as you know, one of the, one of the greatest performances we put in. Everything seemed to go right that night. Uh, we'd, we'd had a good hiding at Wembley. Um, we needed a response uh, for, for ourselves, the fans, everybody, and uh, we've done it in probably the best way possible. In, in the run-up to the game like that week, obviously, the, the nightmare of the Charity Shield was probably in all your minds, Darren. I mean, what was the, the atmosphere like on the training pitch with Kevin? What was the idea? Was it just as normal, or was it a bit...? Well, the, the atmosphere was... The training was really uh, fast and furious, as normal. You know, training was always excellent. Uh, but I remember the beginning of the season because I wasn't in the team alongside uh, uh, Pedro, so we we didn't start well that, that year, did we? No. Um, so Is that because that, you and Pedro, yeah? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was, it, it was the lead-up from what happened the year before, and as you say, the, uh, the charity shield. Um, and the 20 years, some, yeah, it's gone in a blink, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, I think it's right to sort of celebrate it because it was such a, a great game, even you know, in today's sort of tactical and technical side of, of the Premiership. It's still on a pitch that wasn't you know, up to today's scratch, but it's a fantastic game to be involved in uh, and a fantastic game to, to, to look at. A mate of mine phoned me up on Saturday and he was saying, did you watch uh, the Man City game, which I hadn't, and uh, he just said, he said, takes me back to the era of Newcastle at the time where we were just totally completely open where if we if we if we were to play at our best um, I don't care who we were playing we could batter them 
you really could. We had players who, uh, if you play an open game, it suited us. Um, the biggest problem we had when we played Man United uh, was always the first goal. If you can get the first goal, they've got to come out and it opens up, and then you're kind of playing into our hands. And uh, as Watto says, though, there's certain games where you, you can sometimes carry two or three players, but everybody that night was on the game. And I, I think if you looked at it, the score could have probably been 10 3 because we were, we were always going to leave ourselves open because that's the way we play. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a remarkable night. I mean, the atmosphere, I think, was, you know, it was, it was party time. And coming into that game, you guys, I think it won six, five or six on the bounce. So was there, was the expectation that you could beat my United and it was just it was just another game coming up to it? That team could beat anybody. And that, that, that was the beauty of it. Uh, uh, when, you, when you go out with the mentality that we did, uh, I don't think, I mean, I, I can ask Peasy and what all the, what their thoughts, but I never ever thought, oh, we went out, I can't even remember thinking, oh, we're going to we'll get a clean sheet here, oh, we're, gonna, we're actually going to sort of sit back and hopefully get a draw. It was just never in, in the psyche of Kevin, and, and I think he, he transferred over to the players also. In the run-up of that game, there was a bit of criticism, for, you know, for the, def- the defence that you guys couldn't really uh, keep a clean sheet, couldn't really maybe not concede, you know, too many goals. But Kevin defended you guys, and you went and beat my United five 0 So, how did he kind of stop that criticism from sneaking into the kind of dressing room? Was that in your mind at all back then? Not really. I think um, I think it's all about results, isn't it? You know, I mean, if you if you win in five, six games in a row. Um, and there's still criticism about the defence. Then we you know we do, we're doing something right. Um, I think Bez would admit, you know, you probably sit next to the only guy in the club who actually enjoyed defending um, at times. You know, it, but, but um, it was encouraged. You know, we, we didn't, uh, you know, we weren't, we didn't go blase. We didn't sort of say, you know, none of us want to defend. We just we, we were encouraged to uh, we were encouraged to attack, express ourselves. Um, you know, once you go into coaching, like you know, like like I have, um, you try and find that way of trying to find the make the players feel million dollars every time they go out on the pitch. Make the players the players feel invincible, like they are going into a game and they won't get beat. Uh, Kevin had that unbelievable knack, um, probably better than anybody I've worked under. I'm just interested on that. Obviously, Rafa Benitez now in charge in charge of Newcastle. You could argue say that then maybe Sir Boy Robson, he's the only other person maybe to have got that feeling and got that connection between the fans and making those players feel you know, 10 feet tall? I mean it is, I mean I watch the games now and you've finally got, you've, got, you've actually got a manager that everybody can now buy into and you know you can take them forward. Mm. Well it, I think it's the whole situation, you know, the big picture so to speak, it's roughly he gets what the supporters are feeling, you know, he does lots of work within the area, within the sort of neighbourhood so to speak, and within the region. And that is key, I think, exactly the same as, as Kevin used to do, uh, Bobby. Yeah, and that is key, I feel, getting to know, you know the, his supporters, you know, the, the club as a region. It, it, it's, it's, it's something like that that's been needed for a long, long time. And this, this is the guy you know, on and off the field, I think, has it's got it right. And we can see and hear by the reaction from the supporters what, what was needed for a long, long time. Definitely, and on, on the game itself, obviously you scored the opening goal. Was you, did you know it was in a cross line? Did, was that your first instinct? I didn't have a clue. Didn't have a clue. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things where it just hit the net so quickly. I don't think any of us realised it had bounced back out. I think that's what the main thing was. It's just a, a well-worked drill off the training pitch, you know, which was 
know, all them set oh, pieces we worked on, then yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's just one of those things where just get your head on it. And as I say, Philippe could have knocked it in, he could have got a touch on it, I feel, Philippe, um, but he's done, he's, he's over it and he's, he's, he's hit the back of the net, and then that was the, the, the start of the. Uh, Opening the gates. And what was just everything just connected on the night? Everything just clicked into place. Do you think, Steve? I think, I think that kind of sums up. You know, you're talking about the defence and what have you. It's, it's one of the greatest nights any of us have been involved in. And maybe you know a lot of Newcastle fans have enjoyed. Um, and your you goal scorers are two centre halves and then your three forwards. It's, it's it kind of summed up. You know, kind of summed up where we were. The goals after that were, um, you know, the. the the Ginola goal was was just typical him. You didn't, as a defender, as will tell you, you don't you couldn't show him anywhere. You showed him down the line. He's got a ridiculous left foot. You show him inside. He puts his ball in the top corner of his right foot. You've got um, you've got Pedro with two snapshots that end up you know getting the goal for Al, and you end up seeing Alan go out wide and Les with the textbook header, and then obviously I think all the plaudits. Everybody remembers the final goal, which is what you yeah, icing on the cake, obviously, but. As I say, you look back at it as you know, I didn't score. I didn't um, didn't necessarily have anything to do with the goals, but you still feel a, a comfort because you've kept the clean sheet and the you know, kept the clean sheet against probably their strongest the, side. Yeah, the, the thing is, is like it, it, it was uh, like I mean, what I was into coaching now. I remember Scott Sellers uh, when he packed in. He said he, he looked back at seven games, which I never did, and he was just saying he, he never realised the movement. That was part of the team. There's like, mm. and there was a lot of unselfishness within the team that would pro- probably not get involved in certain elements. It's like, what a fantastic athlete myself, or good athletes. A lot of the time we're running not to get it. You're actually looking to make make things happen. It weren't particularly. He went as though Kevin Keegan said, "By the way, when he gets the ball there, you do this." There was none of that. It was just you go out, you do what. You, in a sense, it was <laughs> do what you feel. Um, and if we got, as I say, if you got it right, and I remember now when I watched certain games back and I look and I go, how does it happen? But I think it was clever how Keegan used to set the training up. It was very, very tight. As Peasy said, it was very intense, full on. And then when he came to a Saturday, it was like express yourself and mm-hmm. take it to the next level. I mean, being 2 0 at half time, what was the message at half time off Kevin? Was it just more of the same? Just Well, I remember the gaffers sort of. His favourite team talk before the game was same team, same subs. Yeah, and, and it, from a manager's point of view, that'd be great because you know that your team's doing well. Again, results it's a results-based business. Uh, team talk was, you know, I think Bez touched up on it before. We let ourselves down uh, recently in, in the charity show. Uh, we've got to do it for supporters. Yeah, and that was always at the back of our mind. I think, yeah. um, but saying that, if there's any team that could lose a two-nil. Advantage, we would have too, because we wouldn't sit on that. We would press on and press on, because it was quite open first half. I thought, yeah. Oh yeah, United. yeah, they had chances. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Every, every, when you played against a team like you know, like Manchester United, Liverpool, whoever it is, you know, they've got quality players, and you know, so you are when you play that open, you are. But Keegan just believed that we would score more than the opposition, which is bewildering sometimes mm. when you look back at it. Exciting. And when you guys saw Phil Robert running towards the goal. Uh, picking up the pass from uh, I think it was Rob Lee, and then he picks up the pass. What was your initial thought, Steve? Was it he's going to hit it here? Or? Um, first, I thought he was going to pull the trigger with a, with a, bit, with a bit of power because he had a great strike on him. Um, he was like he was like a centre half that none of us had really witnessed before in that era. Because 
think he scored a brace against Man City, uh, where he literally just goes and plays one twos and ends up uh, and ends up on the edge of the opposition's box. So it wasn't no surprise to us to have found him there, but just to have the uh, just to have the the, the audacity to, to do that at that stage. Um, but he was a very very clever footballer. Um, he was a good he was a good defender, but he was you know he's probably one of the best ball playing centre halves that we've ever, ever come across. And to score five against a keeper like Pierre Schmeichel in the defence that might not have had as well as one of the Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. I, I mean, I look back at the you know previous when you play against such as Manchester United before, I think in, in when we got beat 1-0 when Cantona scored, we probably played in that game maybe as good. Or, mm-hmm. uh, but they just didn't go in. Schmeichel, you know, just saved everything. Uh, as I said before, if we get it right, though, that's what can happen. And what were the celebrations like afterwards? Was it just keep your head down or go Yeah, not, not so much. Not so much. No. <laughs> no I think really. we all, in, in, to be honest with you, I think we all went to watch the Lighthouse family, didn't we? Well, at the Civic Centre. by the way. At the Civic Centre. But no disrespect to the Lighthouse family. We watched, we watched about one song and then we thought, this is, uh, this is, too, far too, this is far too toned down for what we've just done. So yeah, I think we just all went, uh, went wandering then. But, uh, Great night, great night in town. But you know the, the fans, as I said, they, they deserved a night like that. Um, just a pity, you know, all looking back, it wasn't that, uh, wasn't that elusive silverware. But we, we had the moments. We had some very, very good times. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedback. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch? This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.